Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. Before we get started, I would like to express huge gratitude to the coaches that provided feedback on how well the podcast is doing and for recommending future guests. As usual, please do share the podcast to your coaches on social media to spread the awareness of this resource. Today we are talking with Coach Andy Scott, who's currently the running backs coach of the Great Britain Under-19s national team. Hello and welcome to the BAPCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm joined today by Coach Andy Scott, who is currently, among other roles, the running backs coach of the Great Britain Under-19s national team. Coach, how are you doing today? Yeah, very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure to have you on. Um, you and I have known each other for a number of years and we've coached together and coached against each other. Um, but for those listeners that perhaps might not know who you are or what your background is, why don't you give us a a run through of how you first got involved in football and how you progressed into coaching to up to the current date and where you are now. Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually found football like late in life um, in my late twenties, which was in 2008, 2009. Um, I met a guy called Harry Innes who was playing for the Kent Exiles at the time. Um, I tried out with the Exiles and they put me in at running back. Um, loved the position, played four seasons there. Um, during 2010, I realised that I wanted to coach. So a friend of mine who was on the defensive side, a guy called Rob Miller, he was coaching at the Greenwich Mariners University team. Um, I graduated six years earlier from Greenwich. So he did the, in- the introductions there to um, head coach Marcus Room. Um, and I jumped straight into the running backs coaching there with fairly limited knowledge at the time, but um, was really happy to learn from anyone I could. Um, 2012, I moved on to being head coach and OC at Greenwich. Um, started to run my own offense, so that was really cool. And then after two seasons, moved on to University of Surrey in 2014. And I've been the head coach at the University of Surrey for six seasons. Um, three really successful years early on with some great players there and then the last three years have been challenging but I've loved coaching the university game um, and recently coached my 70th game as a head coach so that was really cool. Um, after also coached at Baffer level so it would be um, running backs at Exiles Juniors in 2015 um, and I was an assistant in 2016 with the London Warriors running backs. Um, worked with some great coaches in that system. Everybody knows the Warriors is a great setup, and anytime you can work under Tony Allen, that's fantastic. Um, 2019, put myself forward to Great Britain under 19s, and I was very grateful for the selection to Andrew Morgan's offensive staff as running back coach. Um, we've got some great young talent there and just can't wait to get back to that and see how we go with that one. Excellent. Um, also know that you, you also work in coaching, which is not a common thing in, a, in the UK. 
you work with the Jacksonville Jaguars over in the UK. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, very fortunate, as you said, to be one of few people that actually works full time in in American football. So I work for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jags UK, and previously Fulham Foundation since 2016. My role there is a senior Jag Tag coach. So that role involves all aspects of delivering Jag Tag flag football sessions um, in primary and secondary schools, also sourcing and training up multi-sport providers to take on Jag Tag within their school networks. Um, and that's across the country as well. Program's been really successful. We've had about 70,000 kids coming through the program uh, in 280 schools, 22 regions, um, 15 total multi-sports groups that we work with. We recently launched uh, JAGTAG Level 1 CPD as well for the coaches that are in the multi-sports groups. And what we try and do is we try and partner up with BAFA, Cadet and Youth um, programs so that we have what we call pathways. So JAG tag to BAFA teams, BAFA cadets is a really big thing for us so that we can obviously progress the overall game in the UK. So consider myself super lucky to be involved in that. And if any of your listeners are um, wanting to get in contact with me on that, please do so. We're always looking for teams um, so that we can sign post JAG tag kids to, to the BAFA club. That's excellent. We'll share some contact details at the, at the end of the show. Um, so your your role, other than the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, role, is quite common in the UK. You're coaching at university level. You've coached at junior and adult level. And um, you're now involved in the national programme, which to some of our American listeners might be quite an alien thing to have so many teams um, uh, to be involved in couple of questions how do you yeah. balance coaching uh, throughout those different teams and do you approach how you coach university different to how you coach say the under 19s at Great Britain um, I think I'll answer the second question first yeah I think obviously the Great Britain coaching is very different to university coaching in university um, I'm in charge of the program and it's more of a role of helping positional coaches, coordinators, et cetera, get the best out of the guys and overall management. Um, but with the Great Britain program, obviously there's there's lots of good coaches already involved in that program. So it's um, a case of working the positional aspect. Um, I'd say overall, it can be difficult having essentially three jobs. Um, my, my day job, my main job with the Jags, university head coaching as my second job with Team Surrey and Great Britain under-19s as my third job. So there's definitely some time management um, pressures, I'd say. It's, it's been a great thing, though, because there's, there's a lot of crossover between um, the learnings. I'm always coaching running backs in, in two of those three roles. Um, so, yeah, I just absolutely love being involved with football. It's been been my life for a long time now so kind of used to it excellent so we're talking about uh developing running backs today and as you just said you're running backs coach um, yeah what is your coaching philosophy either generally or with the running backs themselves yeah so i'd i'd say first of all i'm a collaborative coach 
Um, I think feedback, explanation and player opinion in today's environment is really important. Um, definitely more so than when I first started coaching. There was loads of command style coaches. Um, and as you know, I think university and junior coaching has, has very much shifted to the um, kind of collaborative style. Um, the way that I set up my kind of philosophy is I came up with an acronym, which is WEAT. So that's work ethic, honesty, effort, enthusiasm, and attitude. Um, and it's not anything new, but if a player possesses those qualities, um, then they're going to be very coachable in any kind of scheme that I coach. Um, I love players that have some ability and have a huge work ethic. Um, I think they're the ones that are going to succeed, in all honesty. Um, players' attitude as well. I always look for a hardworking individual that can accept like criticism um, and also take on board instruction without, without questioning um, absolutely everything that we do, which can be difficult in today's world. I totally understand that. Um, I think lastly, my, I'm a big believer in, in purposeful practice. So I'm sure everyone has read Bounce by Matthew Syed, but if not, he talks a lot in there about the theory of purposeful practice and reducing the 10,000 hour rule. Um, 10,000 hours being the time it takes to become competent or natural at any skill. I try and incorporate multiple individual skills into my drills, um, which we'll come on to, I'm sure, later in the podcast. But um, I think that's really important for a lot of coaches in the British game because we have limited time, limited on-field time with our players. So I think that, that that purposeful practice element, you have to try and get the most out of the time that you've got. Absolutely. And one of the things I've been learning by doing this podcast is it doesn't matter what level you coach at and it doesn't matter where in the world do you coach at. Everyone's, every coach is complaining about lack of time because it's all relative. So I think that yeah. purposeful practice uh, theory applies to literally every coach that could potentially be listening to the show. Um, that's great. So we were talking a bit, a bit before we started recording um, about your roles and running backs in general. You were talking about this sort of framework for evaluating running backs uh, that you like to follow. Uh, let's right. let's, let's uh, deep dive into that a bit more. Yeah, sure. So. Um... I think the thing we were talking about and you hit the nail on the head is actually evaluating the player. Um, I don't think there's enough of this done, um, especially on teams with limited rosters. You have to look for attributes that suit the position, um, especially early on when you're trying to work out who is looking to be a running back. Um, so I've got an eight point kind of checklist on this. I didn't make this one very catchy, but the the initials are... SSV FAF PC. Um, what that stands for is stance, start, vision, framework, acceleration, first cut, power, and contact and finish. So I believe that those eight points are what encompass a running back should be. Um, the learning that comes with that, or how you can kind of frame your teaching. Um, so what I'll do, if it's all right with you, is I'll just go straight into 
breaking those down point by point. Absolutely. Yeah, well, go for it. Okay, so the first one, stance. Um, that must be neutral and allow the running back to move laterally as well as vertically. Um, I would say check, your, check the player's stance, have them stand feet shoulder width apart and then sink at the hips into a comfortable position. Um, hands should come to rest on their thigh pads and eyes always forward. Basically, to any coaches out there, correct anything in the body position that you see instantly. Um, but make sure that it's natural to the player that you're coaching. They should always be balanced and not able to be pushed forward or to be pushed backwards. Um, a lot of rookie running backs, they'll line up with their, with their knees quite far forward um, over their feet, so, and therefore their shoulders are too far forward because they kind of think that this will give them a falling downhill sort of look or alignment but actually this stance is the one that creates the most full starts because player tends to twitch and kind of lean and and can even step before the um before the snap count so yeah we need to be a bit careful with that okay moving on to the start so i think it's it's the job of the coach to define what the first step is i've heard a lot of young coaches kind of say take a step forward um, well, that's not, not really good enough. You need to be more specific there. You need to open up your hip to an angle and give them that, give them that command. Um, mo most importantly as well, make sure that they define the second and third steps to the mesh or path to the landmark so that they understand exactly where the play is going. Um, I'm hugely into eliminating full steps. so done a lot of work with the coaches um, at GB level on this as well. So a full step is anything that goes backwards. I work with running backs to make sure they only step forward or open up laterally. So to eliminate these first steps, we need to, um, to kind of drill this in a way where the two players behind them in the drill line will put both feet behind the feet of the running back who's actually doing the drill. Um, bricks will also work here if, if you happen to have anything like that um, and then that will force them to take that first step as forward um, which is a skill that I feel is really important okay so moving on to vision which is the third point um, this is twofold really vision one is making sure that your eyes are up and you're seeing the gaps as they appear um, it's at first level so watching out for any missed assignments from o-line and watching out from any d-line penetration uh, you have to be able to process a lot quickly as a running back so make sure that the um the vision is good the second part of it is is looking for your landmark um i was bad at doing this in my early days i didn't define landmarks very well um so when coaching any young back i think it's really important that you decide define a play side landmark for them to attack so as an example if you're running an inside zone trap this might be the outside hip of the backside pulling guard um, it's it's really important that they know to keep their eyes on this and all the best running backs have great vision and can see things um, unfolding as they happen 
So you have to train this for repetition. Um, and then once they're repped in this kind of skill, they'll kind of see this unfolding ever so slightly before it happens. Okay, moving on to framework. Uh, framework is about body control, basically. A running back's framework is very important. They have to stay in control of their body at all times. This is one of the things that we drill a lot at all levels. Um, your body should be completely in control and your ankle should stay under your hips. Um, arms shouldn't be too far out of position so that you're leaning or lunging. Um, and you want to keep as compact as you can with a tight framework to really help you get through those gaps and, and keep a keep a nice consistent running style. Um, this also will help you not overextend and reduce the amount of fumbles um, where you're not gripping the ball properly or keeping it you know high and tight to your chest. So I think that's really important. Um, acceleration is the fifth point. So I think every running back coach will kind of gauge this differently. There's a lot of different ways that that people gauge acceleration and a lot of coaches that I've worked with or studied under kind of do this in different ways. But I think overall, there's three ways that I look at this. Um, I look at the acceleration from a standing start would be the first way. Um, a lot of coaches use the term slow to fast through, which usually explains the speed from the stance to the mesh and then to the first hole. Um, we but within that, we still need to see that the back can move at an appropriate speed um, in relation to the snap and to the exchange as well. So I am an advocate of slow to fast through, but it has to be in the context of what you're doing. Um, second point would be burst. So in the old terms, this would be the speed of hitting the hole. Um, I think a better term in today's world would be how quickly the acceleration from the mesh point um, to the second level defender is there another gear that the running back has um, and can they kind of burst over a very short short um, yardage so that's be that sort of you know three to six yards uh, five to eight yards do they do they turn up turn it up a gear um, and what you need to look for here is when they're going through this first and second level defender, do they, and they burst, do they tend to get higher in their stance? Um, it's natural for guys to want to run tall and stride, but as a coach, you should be looking for guys that can stay compact um, and still not lose anything on this, on this burst. And then the third point of acceleration would be, would be the top end. It's okay, so this is the pure runaway speed how quickly does a back get from second or third level and truly outrun an, an opponent? Um, so a good test here is kind of sustained quickness over, you know, a 10 to 15 yard period. Um, now a lot of, a lot of university teams, um, guys, you know, I've, I've seen this, they'll all line up and, you know, the running backs, wide receivers, DBs will all kind of um, have a race. I, th I, I think that actually it's better if they were to define, you know, speed progression by an overall slow two, maybe five yards or four yards, 
then a burst of about five yards and then the top end and see, you know, can they run at a sustained higher pace um, for kind of 10 to 15 yards? I think that's a really good test of identifying running backs that, that have that top end speed that, that we're all looking for at every level. Okay, so moving on to the sixth point, um, that would be first cut. Now, first cut is massively important for a running back. It's that first time that they get their outside foot in the ground and actually kind of plant and take it back to get, get north and south. Um, they need to have good vision because they need to see the play develop in their mind slightly before, before it actually does on field. Um, I think I've got quite a few good drills for this, which I'll come on to as well. Um, but we, we teach running backs on outside plays, um, especially anything that presses the edge, e.g. like a stretch play, that they're one-cut plays. So they really want to aim for that landmark, press the edge at speed, and then wait for that cutback lane to emerge, put their foot in the ground and really use that first to get north and south. Um, and first cut is a real skill that, that takes a bit of time and a bit of repetition to get to. So that's, that's what we're looking for in first cut. Um, seventh point is power. Um, I don't think running back power can be underestimated, really. Um, and in my opinion, it comes from a couple of places. One, you want good leg and core strength. So you want a really strong individual. Um, and secondly, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the framework. Um, your body positioning has a lot to do with the power that you generate as a running back. Um, I've seen it too many times where guys are slightly out of position in their framework and then they can't generate that power to initiate contact. So I'd really, really try and get guys to work on that. If you've got an undersized running back, first thing you want to look at is Obviously, they're, they're training in the off-season. Are they doing the correct lifts in the gym? Um, but core strength shouldn't be underestimated as well. I think that's really important. Um, I'm not an SNC uh, coach, um, but I have been around many good ones, both in American football and in, in the soccer world at Fulham. Um, and a lot of them really do preach the core strength being, being very important to every position, really. Um, and lastly, we've got the contact and finish. Um, I recently saw Damon Kirkby ask a good question the other way around for defence, and that was how do you teach young players not to shy away from contact? So I hope I've got that right. But um, it's the same with running backs. You want to teach to be the aggressor. Every rep, every part of contact should be taught, and it should be encouraged in a safe way. Um, they should be encouraged to be the aggressor and to initiate that contact in the rep. Um, I'm really glad that we've come a long way on the kind of contact elements and the safety elements within the game. Um, I remember back to when I was actually in a running back unit and there was another player there that used to lead with the crown of his helmet um, and he'd encourage other people in his unit to do that. And I just thought that that was absolutely crazy. Um, so I'm glad we've kind of moved away from that. And I think safety is being, being taught well across the board. Um, I've coached some really good backs when it comes to contact and finish. 
Um, so I'd split this into two really. Um, first is the level through the first and level, the, sorry, the first and second level of contact is to make sure they cover up the ball, check the pad level is low, and make sure that they're square to initiate the contact. Um, if hips are in a good position, that helps, um, and that leads you back to the framework again. Um, and then secondly, I think the one that doesn't get discussed very often is kind of third level contact. Um, I think it's slightly undercoached as well uh, uh, in the British game, maybe again because of time constraints. Um, when a running back gets daylight and has the free safety coming down, there are various rules about whether to go after that guy and try and go through him or to cut and go around him. Um, George at the London Warriors was really good at teaching that. He, um, I picked up a lot from him. Uh, basically, the basic rules for me are that the running back should always try and get part back onto the path of his original run unless the third level defender is directly in that corridor. So I think running backs need to be aware of where the, the closest defender is, for one, um, and also is there, a corner, is there a corner sort of trailing the play? Um, if you cut back onto the path of the play, is that going to shorten the pursuit lane for the outside um, defender being the corner chasing down so we have to be really aware of that um, I think there's a lot to be said about initiating contact into those into those third level defenders you know if you've got a big back you're, you're, you're likely going to win that scenario um, but it's knowing when to get out onto that um, so in summary that's the that's the kind of eight points that I that I kind of hang hang my hat on really to be honest that's great, and I mean, I know you've just been speaking for a while, and there's a there's a number of points there, but you're talking about this being a checklist, and I, I think we can agree that's super important to have something along these lines, whether it's the same as what you've described or something that you you make your own, and it yeah. can be obviously across any position it doesn't have to be running backs; uh, it could be any position on the field. The question I have is. Do you use this checklist, which is, as you described it, very clear and concise and very obvious parts of a running back's game? Do you use that as a just as an initial evaluation of uh, a group of athletes trying to identify which ones could have the potential to play running back, or do you use it as a uh, year-round evaluation tool of your running back uh, group? I think the answer to that is both. Um... I'd use this definitely to try and identify players that were coming in um, that maybe didn't know the position that they wanted to be. Um, we've done a lot of work on that at the university level. But I would say also this kind of forms the evaluation tool for everything that I do year round. So it works well in evaluating a player, even feeding back to them as well. Um, I've kind of made a number of reports where I've actually given that back to um, to the players themselves on what they can improve on. So I think it's a very good tool for kind of saying, you know, you need to work on this element of your game and that might be, you know, identifying the first cut or that might be you, you need to increase your acceleration um, on the top end or, you know, is there scope for you to get in the gym and actually develop more power through 
through weights. Um, so I, yeah, I use it as an all round tool as well. Perfect. And just, I think what a common mistake that a number of coaches could be doing is you, you observe something, you refer to it to the player, you say, you know, you need to get a bit quicker or whatever it may be. But without that clear and consistent framework where you just list off the eight points and say, here are all your pluses, here are all your, all your negatives, these are the things you need to work on, then it just gets lost in all the other messages that you're trying to give a player. So having that framework is definitely important. Um, I to- totally agree with that. And I, th- I think that that's re- that is really important. And it's having that kind of tool to feed back to the player on specific points as well is really, really important. Absolutely. So brings me on to my next question. You've got the, you've got the criteria there. You're, you're evaluating players um, as time goes on and you know where the strengths and weaknesses are. What are the, some of the activities that you do in order to identify the strengths and weaknesses of each, uh, of each section? Is it through drills or is it through something else? Yeah, so I'd, I'd say that what is very important to me is, um, is everyday drills. Um, so I think this is good for any kind of running back coach listening. Um, you should have your everyday drills that you can go to. Um, it's taken me a while to kind of build these up. But if you can construct around sort of five to eight solid drills that you can do at every practice, um, then I think your OC and your HC is definitely going to thank you. Um, I think the thing to remember with everyday drills is that they should reflect what you actually do um, in teaching a running back overall, but they should also reflect what you do in your scheme, okay? Because everyone's scheme is, is different. Um, there's really no point in, you know, running circles around upturned bins or bunny hopping through ladders or anything. If you're trying to work on a specific skill, I don't see how that's going to benefit. And I've really adjusted my coaching in the last few years to, to teach within the framework of the scheme as well. Um, so what I've done again is I've broken that down into, into five, main areas that you should drill as a as a positional coach um, and they are so stance and start is one mesh and handoff is two vision and landmarks is three and pass pro is four and initiating contact and pad level is is five basically so those five drills Uh, sorry those five subject areas I would construct at least a couple of drills um, maybe three drills for each area and then I'd work those as much as I could um, on the individual periods of practice um, and at any other you know team periods that that you get Um, so I won't dive into those in loads of depth but actually do contact me if, if you want some everyday drills I'm happy to provide them what I'll do is I'll just talk through maybe one at each each position, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So I think the first one would be stance and start. And I'd, I'd combine those basically because you can get a lot out of actually doing the, the stance and the start in one kind of motion. So um, what I do is I'd line everyone up, uh, check their stance, um, correct anything in the body position and work on going first step kind of 
left and right. Then I'd go back to the full step thing and put the um, put something behind their heels to make sure that they were stepping out correctly. And then kind of path that with two or three steps to a command, um, which you can do all in one as a as a good kind of everyday drill, um, and have that have them going through that and correct as well. Um, so then two, I'd say for mesh, you want the mesh to be consistent, fast, and accurate. Um, so what I'd do there is I'd have a quarterback or a coach um, holding the ball and I'd have the running back offset to the right or the left and running across them, squeezing down onto the ball um, and just kind of rep that out so that you get that, um, you get that cohesion between the quarterback and the running back and they understand each other. A uh, second progression of that would be to receive a snap. So that would be a timing kind of issue that would teach them to, you know, make sure that they timed their, their kind of burst to the, or slow two, I should say. Uh, and then thirdly, I'd vary the snap height in that drill as well. So we're getting some different snaps. Obviously, every snap does not come out perfect. So you want it to be, get some low ones in there, get some high ones in there, and have the QB kind of working to adjust where the mesh point is so that running backs are comfortable, that it's going to be different every time. Um, and the fourth element of that drill would be to have the QB then keep the ball. So working on running back selling the fake, basically, uh, squeezing down, keeping in that, that nice position and acting as if they had the ball. So that's a drill that I'd work on for the mesh point. Uh, moving on to the third one, visions and landmarks. Um, the one I like here is what I call the one cut drill. So always as above, um, stance, start, no full step, mesh point, and then we're looking to press the landmark. Um, so in this drill, if we imagine that we are setting this up as an outside run, uh, stretch kind of, kind of deal, it's, you know, it's pathing to the, to the outside, um, running backs aiming for the landmark. What we want there is the coach to kind of be out with a bag um, running in front of that player um, to create the cutback kind of simulation, or they want to be trailing the player to encourage the player to actually keep on their path and keep pressing the sideline. So that's a drill that I really like. Um, teaches a lot of good things in there about the first cut and the vision and landmark. Um, another variation of that drill is, um, is to kind of have that as an inside run drill as well. So you can close the space down with bags and stepovers and make the cut a lot more immediate after the mesh point. Um, you could have a coach standing there in front and kind of signaling either by moving the bag um, so that you know, you're making sure that you're getting your vision up and you're, you're producing a good, consistent cut. Um, I haven't really covered Pass Pro that much in this, in, this, um, in this podcast, but I'd say obviously blocking and Pass Pro is very important. Um, I've got a number of, of uh, drills for Pass Pro 
the one I'd probably identify is um, having the running back in their stance and um, giving them some first step rules. So where they're firing out to, um, usually the backside of the, of the, of the QB. Um, then we'll have a coach kind of move laterally and come down vertically to, to simulate an overhang back or a defensive end rushing. Um, the running back's job is obviously to get out there aggressively and meet that defender as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. Um, break down using good footwork, staying within their framework, um, using proper blocking technique. Um, they must engage with the bag and aggressively drive the coach back. So that's one I like to do quite a lot um, within short indie periods. You can get a lot of reps out of that in a very short space of time. Um, you can also vary the where the rush is coming from, from the outside, um, from a, a D lineman stunning inside. Um, so that's good to, to vary that, to mix that up and to give the running back something to think about um there so that's that's a good one then the um last one i'd say is initiating contact and pad level so that would be number five um there's a number of kind of gauntlet or bag drills that you can do which basically just teaches the pad level um staying low maintaining proper points of contact on the ball and breaking through um a couple of coaches holding shields. Um, make sure they attack the middle to kind of split those bags. Once they've split the bag, um, you know, have them simulate further down the field by kind of, you know, more contact from other coaches as well. Um, and make sure that the running back's in a good body position. That's, that's the key thing there as well. Make sure they're not getting knocked over or they're leaning or being off balance. I think that's a really key thing. So I've kind of touched on, on five drills there. There is many more um, that I have, but I think that kind of gives you an, an insight into what I'd be drilling every day. That's great. And uh, we're just coming to the end of the, uh, the podcast, but just to wrap it all up with one final question, obviously running backs are critical within a, a successful run game. Is there a way that you approach in um, ensuring that your run game is successful? Any tips that you might want to give young coaches out there? Yeah, I think the first tip I'd say is probably don't overcomplicate. Um, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going around at the moment um, about scheme and not overcomplicating your offensive game plan. Um, I was listening to coach Rich Worsall the other day on the roundtable Bafka um, offensive planning meeting. And he was saying about calling the same play over and over until it stopped kind of thing. And this is something I really believe in. Um, I think in my early years, I would have mixed up the run and the pass quite a lot just for the sake of doing that. And, and actually what you need to look at, which is something he was alluding to, is that who's going to ultimately end up with the ball and what are the skills of the players that you, you have on your team. Um, I've called, in 2017, I called an inside zone play 22 times in one game and our running back had three touchdowns in that game. And that was purely because the, the team we were playing against, the defence just didn't adjust. And they kept giving us that same, that same look. So we knew that we could run that play. 
so i'd say the message there is just kind of you know don't overcomplicate. um i only run six run plays i feel that you only really need a limited amount of run plays whatever that looks like for you but six is a good number for me i have three inside plays and i have three outside plays and that is all i would run um so a good kind of jumping off point on that would be you know inside zone or an inside read um inside zone trap with a guard or a tackle pull um i love pulling pulling guards obviously the you know the leverage that they get and the fact that the running back can cut nicely off of off of the the hips there really nice play and the third inside play that i recommend is definitely the counter um, especially for those guys running the offset back um, it's pretty obvious which way we're going especially if the strength is set set up um, away from the offset um, so once you've run the ball a few times um, in that way maybe come back with a with a counter play um, you can even pull on a counter as well um, been doing a lot of that recently and that's a really good play um, then on the outside, I'd say any outside zone kind of plays. Um, if people want to look at this in a bit more detail, the Atlanta Falcons, I think it was 2017, ran a um, really good outside zone play. Um, so that's something definitely to study up on. Um, second, I'd say stretch. I love the stretch play going, going to the outside with the one cut that I've kind of talked on a lot already. Um, and lastly, any kind of uh, toss play, um, any jet that really gets, you know, kind of gets it spread to the outside. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, you can dress these six plays in any way that you want. Um, different formations, unbalanced lines, motions, uh, just to keep the defense guessing. Um, I think that's really important that you that you do put put that window dressing there, and then essentially you can just just run those six plays and say, do you know what, my guys are better than your guys, and you know let's do it. Brilliant, thanks, coach. Um, before we sign off, I'd like to give the the guests an opportunity to share their social media or contact details in case any of the listeners want to get a hold of you. Uh, so feel free to do that now if you'd like to. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a Facebook guy. So um, add me on Facebook. So it's Andy and then SB Scott. Um, so add me there and I'll, I'll send you anything you want. Also, um, going back to what I said about the, the JAG stuff, always feel free to email me um, and email me about any of this uh, presentation as well. It's scotta at nfl.jaguars.com. Brilliant. Thanks, coach. Um, I'll let you get on and uh, best of luck for the 2020 season, should it go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you to Coach Scott for speaking with us. Continue to check for BAFCA announcements on future clinics and the upcoming BAFCA convention in July. Tune in next time for another BAFCA Coaching Podcast episode. Thank you.